This is the Shift Podcast. Let's dig into this little segment we like to call, Are You Okay? Are You Okay? With munchies. Oh. <laughs> well, I, uh, Ryan, I think you need yeah. to deal with this one as you are our resident uh, drug dealer. The, oh, I, we've upgraded. I thought I was just a pothead. <laughs> I'm a drug oh, dealer. Oh, pothead. Yeah, sorry. Get them mixed up. <laughs> My mom can never know. <laughs> uh, the munchies are the best part. Well, not the best part, but if if you do... That moment when you go, I'm hungry, and then you eat something, it just tastes better. My favorite thing I've ever had on the munchies, by the way, of all time, is a bowl of ramen. I made ramen one night. It didn't burn myself as well, and it was just stunning. It was soothing. Really? Tasteful. It was delicious. Yes. So it's fun. I would imagine there used to be a chili cheese burrito at Taco Bell. Oh, Taco Bell is amazing as well. I'd say fast food wise, you can't go, yeah. can't get any better than Taco Bell. Yeah. Absolutely. All, right. All of the potheads, here's your challenge. We want to know your munchie. What do you satisfy <laughs> it with? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, now, Ryan is uh, an aficionado with the yes. weeds. Uh, not my baggy. <laughs> Uh, not bad. <laughs> um, but uh, if you partake in the weeds, if you like the pot, you're bound to get the munchies at some time. Share it with us what you get. The sudden urge to eat everything in sight. And this is why we get the munchies, by the way. A Yale study conducted on mice found that cannabinoids seem to interfere with the behavior of a special group of cells called POMC neurons. They're found in the hypothalamus, the part of the brain that helps regulate many of the body's key processes, like heart rate and temperature. These neurons usually send out a chemical signal to tell your brain that you're full. In the mice, the THC turned off adjacent cells that are supposed to tell POMC neurons to slow down, so activity of these neurons actually increased. So if an appetite-suppressing neuron is sending out more signals than normal, you'd think your appetite would be suppressed, right? Well, not quite. The THC also activated a receptor inside the POMC neurons, causing the cell to start producing endorphins, which actually increase appetite. So the mice ended up eating more, not less. So basically, cannabinoids just completely confuse this function of your hypothalamus. They ramp up activity of POMC neurons while completely flipping their functionality. And while not every scientist agrees with this explanation, most people would agree that smoking pot definitely makes you hungry. Thank you very much. The Science Insider. Now we know why Ryan is so faithful to McDonald's once a week. Well done, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what's your go-to at McDonald's? My go-to? Uh, I can't say what it's called on the menu because it's inappropriate, but I'll tell you what it is. Um, and this is only... Actually, McDonald's isn't my go-to, but sometimes if I'm really hungry, you get a McDouble. And you ask for it to be dressed like a Big Mac. So, you know, the lettuce, the the sauce and all that. And then you get a junior chicken and you put the spicy Thai sauce on it. And then you take the buns off of the uh, junior chicken and you stick the chicken inside. And then you have beef and chicken in the same. And it's cheaper than a Big Mac. And it is, I mean, probably double the calories, but it is. And it has an inappropriate name. Now I'm curious. Very. Very inappropriate name. Cannot say it. Cannot say it on air. Can you, you can look it, it up? It has... Type it in our chat. I'm curious. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, this is this is a whole new thing. Here, I didn't know this. Um, oh my goodness! No, that's terribly inappropriate. Do not Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Do not yeah. Google it because you're going to come Do up with Google something. That's, the results are not going to be okay. No, it's safe, okay, sure, safe search off for that one. On, on. <laughs> safe search on, yes. And also private browser probably, just so you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. 
So what if you could get the munchies from eating pizza with weed on it? This is a match made in grow up heaven. A pizza place in Thailand has started making the crazy happy pizza, a pizza <laughs> with CBD. Crazy uh-huh. happy pizza has been available at all of the pizza company's branches in Thailand, but sales have been lackluster. It has faced several handicaps. It cannot legally be advertised or sold to anyone under the age of 12. 12 is the age. That's the problem. Well, I think in Thailand, their their rules are really strict there. CBD is a little bit less restricted than THC, and there is a difference. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, I guess 12 is really young. So 13, you could get it? Yeah. I just thought that just clicks with me. Damn. That, <laughs> no, that's not a great idea. All right. Um, the pizza won't get you high, but it will get you really relaxed. A professor in Bangkok Business School believes that using cannabis for marketing can be effective, but you got to make it worth the money and the. Oh, that's a typo. Oh, no. That's a typo. We don't have the typo button today. <laughs> no, I don't have the typo button today. Oh, that's, that's a typo. A typo. Uh, do you want to finish the sentence or no? Do you know what that is? No? Do you even but you got to make it worth, wait, which, but you got to make it worth the money. Worth the money and the. And the... Time was probably what I was going to type there. <laughs> I keep telling Ryan to not write scripts when he's high. He said yeah. cannabis oh, has an emotional on. value that builds on products core value. When people walk into your restaurant, they should come for your food and service, not your cannabis. Oh, that's uh, sad. I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So Ryan, Steve says, does CBD get you high? No, not exactly. Essentially, what what people usually do with CBD, and I'm not an expert, which we are working on getting a weed expert, by the way, because there's some neat stuff here. CBD can is is has a lot of medical uses. It can be very relaxing. It doesn't really make you feel high in the head, but it can make your it kind of like relieves some tension. Uh, Like you can get massage oils with CBD, or sometimes people will actually put CBD in their actual THC edibles or joints or whatever, because it helps balance out the THC and make it a more of a body or relaxed kind of a high. So Mm -hmm. CBD is way more accessible because it doesn't make you feel in your head kind of, you know, high. It just makes your body feel nice. Hmm. When I said joints, I meant like actually joints because I'm old. So Uh, I didn't mean like doobie joints. Just to be clear, you took that in a different direction. Okay. Really? What is your, um, what is your, what is your go-to munchies when you're on the pot? Popcorn with, am I allowed to read everyone's names? Hope so. Popcorn with real butter. That's just my go-to in general, actually. Great choice. Um, hot dogs and Doritos comes in. Doritos are great. Kit Kat ice cream bar. Mm. That comes in there too. And apparently the terribly inappropriate. So when you go to McDonald's and you this, there's this terribly inappropriate name, do you order it by that name? Uh, no, unless I know the person working there, which I did in high school. So that's weird. Yeah. Really weird. Okay. Um, are you okay? Are you okay with Chrome? Chrome is, Chrome is cool. I like, uh, What's uh? What am I thinking of? What's what's coming to mind right now? That uh, yeah, the Chrome is a great browser. I will say, (laughs) Chrome's Chrome's cool. I don't think Chrome is like the primary. Like I don't when I see a car that's completely Chrome. So this isn't Blade Runner. Okay, take it easy. Like I think it's a nice highlight. You know, it's Mm. it's a nice way to make kind of make something look a little shiny, a little spicy, but fully Chrome. I did see a car that was so chromed out with fake chrome trim. It looked like a chrome dragon had barfed on it. It was unbelievable. But then I also saw an Aston Martin. I think it was Justin Bieber owned it. And it was literally polished chrome. The whole car was shiny like a mirror. That was pretty cool. Got to tell you. Uh, All right. Um, I don't know when we're supposed to play this thing, Ryan, on the script. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. Are you okay with chrome? Let's let's hear it. Are you okay with chrome? Sheldon, push the button. Stop the rig. Return my treasures to me. And I myself will carry you to the gates of Valhalla. I'm high awaited. You will ride eternal, shiny and chrome. Okay, what's that from? Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, okay, shiny cool. Shiny and chrome. Yeah. Well, it looks great on cars. Um, almost every brand new pickup truck has some chrome on it, like the bumpers, the front grill. Yeah, that's nice. You got the chrome grills. Uh, what about chrome on your head? 
the L.A. Lings have unveiled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. What the heck? I did do a spell check, but you apparently not. You clearly did not. You, yeah. See, I told you, it's the high part. The L.A. Kings yeah. have unveiled uh, and worn now chrome helmets. It's part of their kit that throws back to the Gretzky era of the team, the old school logo, the white gloves, and chrome helmets. Although, I'm confused about that, by the way. Regardless of what you think about chrome helmets, uh, they were put to use in an interesting way. Um, and I'm going to tell that story in a second. So when I saw them, so Vegas wears the gold helmets and yeah. LA with the, the black and the silver, they wore the chrome helmets. Great idea. But when I saw them wear them, they were wearing the purple jerseys and the chrome helmets. So the purple jerseys oh, have the, the gold. Oh, was it? That was the warm they up. Had, yeah. Okay. So when I saw yeah. it, they had the purple jerseys with the gold lettering and the chrome helmets and it looked stupid. I was like, yeah. what are they doing? Yeah, no, they, they use the the old school silver and black, which is the best gray jersey ever. The LA yeah. Kings, that old kit, amazing. And the chrome dome, which I, I love calling it that, is so nice on that kit. I think mm. it looks so... Yeah. With the I black, hate okay. the Kings, but it looks amazing. Did you want to talk about how your team fired everybody today, or should we save that for later? No, don't worry. I have I have plenty to say in, in case you missed it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ryan's favorite team that was like so amazing last year fired everybody today. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I see the pictures now. It looks way better than when I saw it with the purple. Now, not only did they wear chrome, it was put to good use. Absolutely no segue there. With Brendan Lemieux in the game against the Ottawa Senators, biting Senators captain Brady Kachuk full-on bite senators claimed it was two bites yeah so yeah so they were in a fight (laughs) and they fell to the ground and they get up and brady kachuk goes he bit me and there's a big bite mark on his hand i actually have a statement from brady uh would you like to hear it i would like to hear it i think it's the most gutless thing anyone could ever do it's outrageous kids don't even do that anymore he's completely he's a complete brickhead he's got nothing up there so it turns out that even if you got a chrome dome, doesn't mean you've got a nice shiny brain to go with it, according to Brady Kachuk. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. So yeah. Brendan Lemieux has been offered an in-person hearing, which is required for any suspension that could be at least six games. So it's most likely he's going to be uh, out for a little while. He would be suspended yes. until the hearing takes place, which means that if they drag their heels on the hearing and he misses a game, that one doesn't count. And if you're in the market for some uh, weird sports stuff too, since we're talking about it, you don't have to get strange bites for it at all. Team Canada and Team USA have unveiled their jerseys. Yes. Now, the Team Canada jerseys seems to be something that's your style. I think it's cool. I love the numbers. I love that they put them on the shoulder. I wish more teams would put the numbers up there. I love I love that layout. Uh, I love the minimal kind of piping that's around the arms and legs, the kind of futuristic camel bit. I The leaf looks a little strange. I will agree. I think that they probably could have made it look less like the backside of a turkey. It does look like the backside <laughs> of a turkey. <laughs> or a peacock, um, good. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like I think if you had, it would have been neat to see kind of a more old fashioned simple Canadian leaf with a very futuristic looking jersey. All in all, though, it it looks good. It's going to look amazing. The ice, leaf to the me should one. be green. I'm just going to say that. Looks more like a green, green. leaf. Yeah. Looks like a pot leaf. Um, it looks like a pot leaf to me. USA unveiled their jerseys, which is basically a blue band with USA across the chest. Yeah. Which I think looks fantastic. I, I, I don't. I like the old school ones. I know you thought they were a little corny. Uh, but like, I just like the simple one where it's, you know, blue and blue shoulders, red stripe. And then it just says USA diagonally and like on a white or blue, like the miracle Jersey. I think that's such a great Jersey. Uh, and this got this waving flag on it and it's all corny. I don't like it. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not great. I, I, I think Finland has the best Jersey of the entire Olympics though. It is Sweden. Incredible. Sweden. I vote no, Sweden. Finland. Oh, you, oh, vote, vote, you vote. You vote. I don't no, yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I vote for Sweden. <laughs> I thought you were saying like that's. <laughs> By not the a way, country. I'll correct your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the case. I... This is the Shift Podcast. Well, the news over the last few days has been overwhelming. 
about COVID all of a sudden. And Dr. Jason Kinderchuk joins us here again uh, to chat about this. Um, Jason, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Omicron? <laughs> yeah, I think we're I think we're just going with Omicron now, right? Okay. Uh, listen, we'll just go with the, the latest variant that uh, you know that the virus has thrown at us. Yeah. Um, so here's what has happened. Uh, you please correct me if I'm wrong. I'll try to summarize. What's happened is is sort of midweek there was this bubble up. There was obviously viruses of concern or variants of concern. Excuse me in regards to COVID. This Omicron has popped up, and then in all of a sudden whirlwind end of the week. Governments around the world, the Canadian government too, literally locked down Southern Africa and South Africa. Let's distinct, uh, be distinct on both of those. And um, literally locked them down. Like that was it. We're, uh, we're tapping out. You guys can't come in without uh, going directly into quarantine. So through the course of the weekend, of, that's led to everybody getting on board to this conversation, inflamed on some ends, uh, calm on the other and somewhere there seems to be nothing in the middle of yeah. what's going on here. So the WHO has been very clear on what they know this weekend with a pretty good release that was clear. Perhaps we can translate that into everybody's lives because we want to make sure everyone's comfortable with the info and doesn't get absolutely terrified unless there's a reason to. So how are we doing? Yeah, it, listen, we're, we're in a tough spot, right? I, I think I'm one of those people that occupy the, the center area in this right now. Um, it, it's been difficult, right? The, the last 72 to 96 hours... Um, has been a whirlwind. I, I think for, certainly for those of us that work within uh, the area of, uh, of COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2, certainly for the public, um, hearing about a new variant then becoming a variant of concern and now finding out it's spread very broadly across the globe um, ha has been very worrisome. And, and certainly I, I think a lot of the, I don't want to say the misinformation, but maybe um, some of the, the hot takes on what this variant of concern is and what the data represents um, has certainly helped fuel some of that speculation right? So, so what do we understand? Um, listen, I think first and foremost, we have to go back to our South, you know, South African colleagues who identified, uh, you know, that this particular variant of concern and, and identified, you know, this blip in the radar um, and basically made that data public. Uh, this is the second time that they've done that, but we, we owe a debt of gratitude to them. Um, but, but they picked up on it very quickly. They, they saw some changes in, in the, you know, the uh, epidemiology that they were seeing in, in the area. Um, in regards to transmission, they they obviously identified this case that had these unique mutations and, and reported it. And I think you saw the WHO turn around very, very quickly and move from, you know, classifying this as a variant to a variant of concern, which meant that they they basically went from, you know, a variant to saying, we're no longer talking about a variant of interest in between, which is usually where we would go from variant to variant of interest to variant of concern. They went straight from variant to variant of concern. And, and the reason being is that this not only do they see this kind of, you know, this stark increase in, in case numbers or inflection points in the epidemiology in South Africa, um, but they've also seen, obviously, the, uh, the mutations within the spike protein and within uh, the, the genome of, of the virus. That's concerning for us because I think at this point in the pandemic, we understand a lot about this virus, certainly a lot more than we did in the past. Part of it is understanding that blueprint of the, the virus itself and of the genome and being able to say, these particular portions of the genome are related to very distinct functions that we've been able to characterize. So now we can start to look at changes um, at the genetic level and be able to say, these may actually change the function of very specific properties or behaviors of the virus, and we need to watch for these. And in this case, there were a lot of them. So the, the alarm bells got rung. Um, and I think that the tough part is we don't have a lot of data, right? So the I think the you know the the data got released so quickly that we are now trying to figure out what this actually looks like in the population and identify what the behaviors of the virus actually are. We've been I think a little bit further behind in the past. That makes it difficult because when you're communicating with the public, uh, the public is thirsty for having answers and, and rightfully so. We all want to have answers right now. It's tough to hear you know scientists come through and say. We don't know. We have a feeling on this, or we may have an inference here or there, but overall, we have to wait right now. Um, it could be a few days, it could be a few weeks, but we don't have all the data to specifically say what we're going to see. And that's kind of where we're sitting right now. I think you're seeing the warnings. 
Um, but also, I, I think you're seeing some uh, some measured takes right now and saying, listen, we, we don't know everything yet, so let's not completely speculate on what's going on. But let's also be prudent and be very cautious. So in talking about, I've always called them markers, that's probably not even the right term, but there's a long list of things that are... Um that are off, if you will, or different inside this, this Omicron, Omicron variant. So that's a, that's a catch. One of the things that was on there in multiple places, at least in the listings that I've seen would be the contagiousness. Transmittability, I think is the yeah. smart word that you doctor people use. Um, the, uh, that's why I'm not a doctor, Jason. Um, but so those are there and that's really where this conversation started. Now there's been all kinds of people have taken things out of context and the WHO really put it back into context with a release this weekend that outlined the basics. And even though the answer for the most part is, I don't know, um, the reality is, is that the people they want not only do they want an answer, Jason, they want an answer, they want a solution, they want to be told everything's going to be okay. They said they want to be told that, by the way, your vaccine's going to work and all of this stuff coming at you. I mean, how do you guys possibly deal with all of that at once? I suppose you go to step one. Yeah, we, we try to do it very carefully, I, I hope, for the most part. Uh, you know, I think you're very correct, right? So the things we're looking at right now, certainly uh, the, the transmissibility, listen, I'm not a real doctor, I'm just a PhD, so, you know, I still struggle with the word. But uh, listen, you know, we want to look at transmissibility. Is there any advantage over what we've seen with Delta? Um, is there a competitive advantage of this particular variant of concern over Delta? So is it, are we seeing signs that it's supplanting uh, or usurping Delta in different communities? Is there any sign of immune evasion, uh, you know, the ability of this to get around um, either people that have built up antibodies from vaccination or from uh, from previous infections? And do we see any, any change in the overall virulence? So what happens when somebody gets infected? Uh, are they getting more sick, just as sick, or less sick than what we've seen previously? So all, all these things are, are up in the air. The transmissibility, you know, there are certainly some signs that, that this potentially could be more transmissible than Delta, but they're caveats. And I think that's the important aspect is, listen, we, we can be somewhat speculative and say the data is, is maybe starting to suggest this, but there are limitations in what this data can tell us at this point in time. So again, we can be cautious. Certainly, uh, you know, there, there have been indications and, and suggestions of that, um, you know, over the past few days, certainly in regards to immune evasion, this has been one of the the, I think, key talking points of the WHO's release. It's been this idea that there is preliminary data suggesting we may be seeing an increased rate of reinfection. Um, that's a concern, right? Because now we have to start to think about the fact that if we are seeing that, what does that mean in regards to our strategy for, for people that have underlying immunity, whether it's, again, whether it's from vaccines or from being infected? What are we seeing? What are we seeing across different age groups, across different health statuses, and certainly across different populations? All of these things are, are, are certainly very important. And of course, the, the number one question I think a lot of people have as well is, is this particular variant of concern going to make me more sick or is it going to make me less sick and be more mild? Um, I don't think we have enough cases yet, right? So we certainly saw over the weekend, there was some speculation that, oh, it was maybe tied to more mild disease, but then caveats came out, which basically said, no, listen, this was a unique population and maybe we can't you know, transfer those results everywhere. So we have a lot of, uh, of ground to make up very, very quickly. And the tough part is we think about this from a practical perspective. Think about this from a laboratory perspective. Keep in mind that the majority of countries across the world are just now picking up that they have uh, Omicron uh, in, in their population, right? So they're actually going through and identifying cases from, uh, from some of the rapid testing that they're doing. Um, that doesn't give us virus to be able to go and, and work with in the lab. So now we have to try and get basically virus distributed to labs across the world uh, very, very quickly so that we can start working in the lab to figure out what this looks like from a biological perspective. Those things take time. They don't happen overnight. We're fast tracking it, certainly. Um, but there's always a, a, a time lag with, with this. So uh, I think what we're seeing right now is you know, basically the alarm bells, like I said, have, have started to ring very, very quickly. Our ability to figure out very quickly what is going on um, is certainly going to take a, a little bit longer. Now, we're, we're making progress. Certainly, you know, we're, we're seeing emergency meetings all over the place for, for discussions about this, about, you know, global access to resources and sharing of resources. 
um, we will get there, but, but we need some time. And certainly what we don't want to see is wild speculation that overtake um, our ability to do those, uh, those assays and those experiments and get that data out uh, you know, with, with really convincing results. The good news, well, the, the hard part of all of this collaboration, of course, this time is that um, that does allow organizations and people to jump to conclusions and sometimes react too quickly. The good news with that, though, of course, is that uh, there are in the background, uh, not to break any confidence with what I know and, and some people that share with me, there are a million meetings going on in the background. Yeah. But when we look back in, when we look, um, you know, not to give no more detail than that, but the reality is, is that when we look backwards at Delta, um, this is it's sprinkling out kind of the same as Delta did with, Hey, by the way, this is a thing. Oh yeah, we have it here. And, but now there seems to be this super quick collaboration that's going on and sort of uh, rally the troops, if you will, into those meetings super quick. So there is really good news here in the way things are rolling out versus the way that we saw Delta being the most impactful variant so far. And not to mention my understanding is, please correct me, is uh, this is not a surprise. I mean, this is one of those things that's somewhat inevitable. Yeah, you know, here, here's the tough part about this, right? Is is this necessarily surprising? Certainly that, that we saw a new variant and a new variant concern. I don't think that's surprising at all. We knew that the, the longer this virus transmitted across the globe, uh, the increased chance we would uh, eventually see something. And of course, the number of variants that, that have emerged and number of VOCs that have emerged, it was fairly inevitable unless we were able to get transmission down to zero very quickly if this was going to happen. Um, that, that's been certainly concerning for us. I don't think it's been lost in all of this, but there has been a, that other aspect where we came through with you know, alpha, beta, gamma uh, in, in late 2000, uh, I guess, where are we, 2020, uh, moving into 2021, and then Delta emerged. Um, we did get caught off guard. Delta certainly changed the situation for us because of the increased transmissibility and just how quickly it, it moved into areas where we didn't have good vaccine coverage. I think what you saw were a lot of groups that, and, and a lot of countries that said, listen, we can't get into a position like this again. We need to have good response networks. And, and certainly we're doing that. I mean, I, you know, I don't think there are many of us that have slept over the past, you know, couple of days or slept much. Um, there are meetings going on uh, across the globe at all hours. So, you know, you're waking up and, and getting, you know, insights from meetings that happened during the four or five hours that you had to sleep, but that's important. And certainly um, it goes back to this idea again, that the sharing of information is hopefully going to get us to uh, a common way to answer this problem uh, as quickly as possible. Um, and certainly, again, I hope out of all this, what, what we're able to do is highlight the work um, of the people that, that identified uh, th this variant uh, as quickly as they did and reported that publicly, knowing that they actually, you know, for considering where it was identified first, there was likely going to be um, quite a big uh, hit on them economically and potentially politically uh, for, for doing that. So we, we need to be appreciative um, of the people that have done that. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about South Africa as a nation because of your work with Ebola in Africa. I know, uh, you know, with our personal relationship that I know that you have a soft spot for that continent in general. I mean, that's a big part of your life. I've had two doctors that are South African medical doctors, and I can tell you um, the training that they get, and that's medical doctors, is second to none. And yeah. many of us don't know much about the country of South Africa. Um, their science, their medicine really is fantastic. I thought maybe you could share a little bit about uh, how powerful they are uh, yeah. down uh, in South Africa that sort of leads the continent in general and uh, and how great that is. I figure that yeah. that's an important part to add into this because of your time down there. You know, I think it's important to to certainly highlight, you know, certainly the, the continent of Africa, right? Like, listen, we're, we're talking about a continent that, uh, that, that, you know, has seen a, a lot of emerging infectious diseases uh, over its history. Um, and, and that's, you know, specifically because of geographically where it's linked, right? And obviously, um, the uh, certainly the, the type of wildlife that, that inhabits those areas and the climate, all of these aspects. So uh, it has a, a history in combating infectious disease. Um, I, I don't think it's ever gotten the recognition necessarily that it should have. Certainly South Africa, the work that it's done in HIV has been unbelievable. Certainly work in other infectious diseases, um, across the board uh, ha has been, you know, uh, really second to none. And I think you can say that for, for many areas of Africa, including Kenya, and then, of course, going in through Central Africa, uh, as well in the West Africa, for obviously for the Ebola response work that's been done. Um, 
you know, these are nations that have not really, I think, reaped the rewards that that they should have for for the work that they put into this. Now, we think about you know COVID nineteen in, in in particular. Um, we think about the what South Africa has been able to do for us. They have an unbelievable uh, you know uh, surveillance system for looking at uh, at, at SARS CoV two and and really trying to do really you know high level sequencing of the virus to to see what is happening. Um, they were, you know, unbelievably important, obviously, in identifying data when it emerged, and obviously now as well with with Omicron. Um, they've bought us time in identifying those variants and reporting them so quickly. Um, but there's always this other aspect that, uh, you know, countries that report those initial um, results, even though you can't say that that's directly where the virus emerged, it was where it was first identified. Um, they likely are going to be looked at as if that is the place where this particular variant emerged. Right. And now we potentially shut them down or shut them off. That's going to take care of, of the spillage of, of the variant out to the rest of the world. Well, we've seen that this weekend, that as countries started to screen for, for Omicron based on what, what the South Africans have provided for us, um, we're identifying it all over the place. So now the question is, Listen, it's spread into a number of areas and a lot of areas where we haven't necessarily seen um, direct transmission from uh, from South Africa. Uh, but we also don't have a direct indication of where it's emerged. And I think all of these things are important. We've got to be as a global community uh, working together to combat this because of the exact reasons we're watching play out right now. Well, and such a great reminder to why they stopped using the South African variant, the Indian variant, the Wuhan variant, and all of these different places, because even though that might be where it's discovered, it's not necessarily where it's from. And uh, that just creates this whole level of politics that we don't need to get into. And that's why it's called Omicron uh, and not some uh, uh, country name. Uh, yeah. to be to be related to it. That's worth noting too. Dr. Jason Kinderchuk, uh, thank you very much for the time on the weekend coming in with us too. Yeah. I appreciate that as well. And I do wish you um, nothing more than sleep this week because I have a sneaking suspicion you're going to have a busy one. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, Shane. Always a pleasure. Thank you. This is The Shift Podcast. There is a guy who is a particularly young man who has influenced shoes uh, in a quite a remarkable way. So Ryan, um, tell us the story about this guy. And he was like a DJ and a shoe designer. It's like every millennial's dream. I, and I would, he, yeah, he was quite amazing. I would, he wasn't just a shoe guy. He was a, a Titan of industry. And that industry being culture and pop culture. Uh, his name was Virgil Abloh. And that name might not mean anything to you, but this man has had an unbelievable impact on culture, for, especially for his age and for how long he was in the business. Uh, the reason we're talking about him is because, uh, shockingly, when I woke up this morning, I saw that he had passed away. He was 41 years old. No idea that he had been battling cancer for several years, a rare and aggressive form of cancer. And he kept it private. He didn't tell anybody, uh, which was his right to do. Uh, I saw some people complaining that he should have told people because it's a shock to fans. Well, no, it's his it's his life. It's his decision. Um, I mean, I understand you're upset. Me too. But it's his life, man. He wanted to just live it as a normal human being, probably for whatever time he had left. Uh, so... The story of Virgil Abloh is fascinating. He started out as a DJ, a visual artist, and then he skyrocketed all the way to become the artistic director for Louis Vuitton. Just simple, straight up the biggest luxury brand in, in the world. And he went from rags to riches because of his vision and uh, his genius, really. Uh, he started it really where his career started skyrocketed is when he started the brand called Off-White, which is a brand I love. And if I had the money to afford Off-White, it's probably all I would wear. Uh, it's beautiful. It's Italian. It's fantastic. It's in, it's, you know, it's a take on streetwear, but very high fashion. And it's a fascinating way to put the two and two together. He was a collaborator with, with uh, Kanye West and half the people in hip hop. 
Uh, he was born 1980 near Chicago, so very much Chicago vibes and story. And I love that his mother was a seamstress, and she was the one who taught him the basics. And then he just took it from there, which I think is awesome. Uh, and uh, this man uh, kind of saved Nike. Uh, after Adidas came out with Ultra Boost, which is a fantastic running foam, Nike really started to lose some ground because people didn't think that Nike was innovating. And then Nike brought Virgil in with Off-White and completely redesigned classic shoes. And uh, right now, if you have a pair of Off-White Jordan 1 Chicago's, those shoes are worth $10,000. $10,000. No um. And I actually have a pair of his shoes. Uh, the ones, if you check on the Shift Facebook page, not the most recent pair, which I'll be updating later tonight, uh, but the pair before that, the red and gray ones, which uh, you, the listeners, gave a nine out of Shift, highest rating yet. Those were designed by Virgil Abloh. Hmm. He was the guy who said, I'm going to take a shoe that's been worn by a billion different people a million different times, and I'm going to make it look new. Uh, he, you know, he worked with Ikea. He made rugs. He, like he worked with everything like you could his fingerprints are all over this industry and if you go into walmart and see clothes and graphic tees there's a chance that virgil had influence on all of it and it is so tragic that he passed away so young but the mark he has left on this industry is insane and there's so many people that are going to try to do what he did um and it's amazing and i think uh, this clip here I love because this is him talking. He's he's being asked why people care about fashion now and 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 streetwear and you know how as a brand you can understand that. And I think the reason he was such a great designer and is such a good titan of of this industry is because he understood why people care about what they wear. I think they're having a conversation, which is the first and foremost most important part, you know. And the way I see it, it's like brands are starting to have a new type of dialogue with the customer. You know, the customer, the public in general, has a, a lot more knowledge, they have a, they're a lot more discerning. So, you know, being a designer now means something different than being a designer in the previous sort of generation. And I think. Uh, what makes room for a large opportunity is that there's new space for new dialogue. There's new space for new dialogue. And I think that's cool is that even as Virgil has passed away at the age of 41, he has inspired millions of people who will try to kind of walk in his design footsteps. And I encourage you to go look up his work, especially with Louis Vuitton. It's fascinating stuff, man. But uh, I am very sad, but I, I will give some credit to the sneaker community to end this. I was worried that the second he passed away, StockX uh, and Facebook groups were going to take advantage and say, oh, well, he died. Well, guess what? Those shoes that were worth 200 yesterday are worth 1,000 now. And they haven't. In fact, many of the pages I'm a part of have banned the sale of his shoes for at least two weeks out of respect, which I love. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't know the sneaker community, as I'm very quickly learning from Ryan, is it's a community in itself. It's no different than aviation community. It's no different than yeah. hockey players. It's no different. It's the exact same. It's just all about sneakers. And in some cases, it's a love for the sneakers. In some cases, it's about selling sneakers and the hustle. So it's really cool stuff. Thanks, Ryan. Let's dig into this little segment we like to call, Are You Okay? Are you okay with munchies? Oh, <laughs> well, I, uh, Ryan, I think you need yeah. to deal with this one as you are our resident uh, drug dealer. The, oh, I, we've upgraded. I thought I was just a pothead. <laughs> I'm a drug oh, dealer. Oh, pothead. Now? Yeah, sorry. Get them mixed up. <laughs> My mom can never know. <laughs> uh, the munchies are the best part. Well, not the best part, but if, if you do, that moment when you go, I'm hungry, and then you eat something. It just tastes better. My favorite thing I've ever had on the munchies, by the way, of all time, is a bowl of ramen. I made ramen one night. It didn't burn myself as well, and it was just stunning. It was soothing. Really? Tasteful. It was delicious. Yes. So I, it's fun. I would it's imagine. Fun. There used to be a chili cheese burrito at Taco Bell. 
<laughs> Taco Bell is amazing as well. I'd say fast food wise, you can't go, yeah. can't get any better than Taco yeah. Bell. Absolutely. All, right. All of the potheads, here's your challenge. We want to know your munchie. What do you satisfy <laughs> it with? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, now, Ryan is uh, an aficionado with the yes. weeds. Uh, not my baggy. <laughs> Uh, not bad. <laughs> um, but uh, if you partake in the weeds, if you like the pot, you're bound to get the munchies at some time. Share it with us what you get. The sudden urge to eat everything in sight. And this is why we get the munchies, by the way. A Yale study conducted on mice found that cannabinoids seem to interfere with the behavior of a special group of cells called POMC neurons. They're found in the hypothalamus, the part of the brain that helps regulate many of the body's key processes, like heart rate and temperature. These neurons usually send out a chemical signal to tell your brain that you're full. In the mice, the THC turned off adjacent cells that are supposed to tell POMC neurons to slow down, so activity of these neurons actually increased. So if an appetite-suppressing neuron is sending out more signals than normal, you'd think your appetite would be suppressed, right? Well, not quite. The THC also activated a receptor inside the POMC neurons, causing the cell to start producing endorphins, which actually increase appetite. So the mice ended up eating more, not less. So basically, cannabinoids just completely confuse this function of your hypothalamus. They ramp up activity of POMC neurons while completely flipping their functionality. And while not every scientist agrees with this explanation, most people would agree that smoking pot definitely makes you hungry. Thank you very much, the Science Insider. Now we know why Ryan is so faithful to McDonald's once a week. Well done, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what's your go-to at McDonald's? My go-to? Uh, I can't say what it's called on the menu because it's inappropriate, but I'll tell you what it is. Um, and this is only, actually, McDonald's isn't my go-to, but sometimes if I'm really hungry, you get a McDouble. And you ask for it to be dressed like a Big Mac. So, you know, the lettuce, the the sauce and all that. And then you get a junior chicken and you put the spicy Thai sauce on it. And then you take the buns off of the uh, junior chicken and you stick the chicken inside. And then you have beef and chicken in the same. And it's cheaper than a Big Mac. And it is, I mean, probably double the calories, but it is. And it has an inappropriate name. Now I'm curious. Very. Very inappropriate name. Cannot say it. Cannot say it on air. Can you, you can type look it, it up? It has... Type it in our chat. I'm curious. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, this is this is a whole new thing. Here, I didn't know this. Um, oh my goodness! No, that's terribly inappropriate. Do not Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Do not yeah. Google it because you're going to come Do up with Google something. Your the results are not going to be okay. No, it's safe, okay, sure, safe search off for that one. On, on. Safe search on, <laughs> yes. And also private browser probably, just so you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. So what if you could get the munchies from eating pizza with weed on it? This is a match made in grow up heaven. A pizza place in Thailand has started making the crazy happy pizza, a pizza <laughs> with CBD. Crazy Happy uh -huh. Pizza has been available at all of the pizza company's branches in Thailand, but sales have been lackluster. It has faced several handicaps. It cannot legally be advertised or sold to anyone under the age of 12. 12 is the age? That's the problem? Well, I think in Thailand, their their rules are really strict there. CBD is a little bit less restricted than THC, and there is a difference. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, I guess 12 is really young. So 13, you could get it? Yeah, I just thought, that just clicks with me. Damn, that, <laughs> no, that's not a great idea. All right, um, the pizza won't get you high, but it will get you really relaxed. A professor in Bangkok Business School believes that using cannabis for marketing can be effective, but you got to make it worth the money and the. Oh, that's a typo. Oh no, that's a typo. We don't have the typo button today. <laughs> no, I don't have the typo button today. Oh, that's, that's a typo. A typo. Uh, do you want to finish the sentence or no? Do you know what that is? No? Do you even but you got to make it worth, wait, which, but you got to make it worth the money. Worth the money and the, and the... time was probably what I was going to type there. <laughs> I keep telling Ryan to not write scripts when he's high. He said yeah. cannabis oh, has an emotional on. value that builds on products core value. When people walk into your restaurant, they should come for your food and service, not your cannabis. Oh, that's oh. sad. 
I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So Ryan, Steve says, does CBD get you high? No, not exactly. Essentially, what C- what people usually do with CBD, and I'm not an expert, which we are working on getting a weed expert, by the way, because there's some neat stuff here. CBD expert, can re- is is has a lot of medical uses. It can be very relaxing. It doesn't really make you feel high in the head, but it can make your it kind of like relieves some tension. Yeah, uh, like you can get massage oils with CBD, or sometimes people will actually put CBD in their actual THC edibles or joints or whatever, because it helps balance out the THC and make it a more of a body or relaxed kind of a high. So Mm -hmm. CBD is way more accessible because it doesn't make you feel in your head kind of, you know, high. It just makes your body feel nice. Hmm. When I said joints, I meant like actually joints because I'm old. So Ah, I didn't mean like doobie joints. Just to be (laughs) clear, you took that in a different direction. Okay. Really? What is your, um, what is your, what is your go-to munchies when you're on the pot? Popcorn with, am I allowed to read everyone's names? Hope so. Popcorn with real butter. That's just my go-to in general, actually. Great choice. Um, hot dogs and Doritos comes in. Doritos are great. Kit Kat ice cream bar. Mm. That comes in there too. And apparently the terribly inappropriate. So when you go to McDonald's and you this, there's this terribly inappropriate name, do you order it by that name? Uh, no, unless I know the person working there, which I did in high school. So that's weird. Yeah. Really weird. Okay. Um, are you okay? Are you okay with Chrome? Chrome is, Chrome is cool. I like, uh, What's, uh, what am I thinking of? What's, what's coming to mind right now? That's, uh, yeah, the Chrome is a great browser. I will say (laughs) Chrome's, Chrome's cool. I don't think Chrome is like the primary. Like I don't, when I see a car that's completely Chrome, so this isn't Blade Runner. Okay. Take it easy. Like, I think it's a nice highlight, you know, it's, Mm. it's a nice way to make, kind of make something look a little shiny, a little spicy, but fully Chrome. I did see a car that was so chromed out with fake chrome trim. It looked like a chrome dragon had barfed on it. It was unbelievable. But then I also saw an Aston Martin. I think it was Justin Bieber owned it. And it was literally polished chrome. The whole car was shiny like a mirror. That was pretty cool. Got to tell you. Uh, All right. Um, I don't know when we're supposed to play this thing, Ryan, on the script. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. Are you okay with chrome? Let's, let's hear it. Are you okay with chrome? Sheldon, push the button. Stop the rig. Return my treasure to me. And I myself will carry you to the gates of Valhalla. And I awaited. You will ride eternal, shiny and chrome. Okay, what's that from? Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, okay, shiny cool. Shiny and chrome, yeah. Well, it looks great on cars. Um, almost every brand new pickup truck has some chrome on it, like the bumpers, the front grill. Yep. That's nice. You've got the chrome grills. Uh, what about chrome on your head? The LA Lings have unveiled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. What the heck? I did do a spell check, but you apparently not. You clearly did not. You, yeah. See, I told you it's the high part. The LA Kings yeah. have unveiled uh, and worn now chrome helmets. It's part of their kit that throws back to the Gretzky era of the team, the old school logo, the white gloves, and chrome helmets. Although I'm confused about that by the way regardless of what you think about chrome helmets uh they were put to use in an interesting way um and i'm going to tell that story in a second so when i saw them so vegas wears the gold helmets and la with the the black and the silver they wore the chrome helmets great idea but when i saw them wear them they were wearing the purple jerseys and the chrome helmets so the purple jerseys have the the gold oh was it that was the warm had, up. Yeah. Okay. So when I saw yeah. it, they had the purple jerseys with the gold lettering and the chrome helmets, and it looked stupid. I was like, yeah. "What are they doing?" Yeah. Chrome no, jerseys. they they use the the old school silver and black, which is the best gray jersey ever. The LA yeah. Kings, that old kit, amazing, and the chrome dome, which I <laughs> I love calling it that, is so nice on that kit. I think mm. it looks so yeah. with the I black. Hate okay. the Kings, but it looks amazing. 
Did you want to talk about how your team fired everybody today, or should we save that for later? No, don't worry. I have I have plenty to say in, in case you missed it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ryan's favorite team that was like so amazing last year fired everybody today. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I see the pictures now. It looks way better than when I saw it with the purple. Now, not only did they wear chrome, it was put to good use. Absolutely no segue there. With Brendan Lemieux in the game against the Ottawa Senators, biting Senators captain Brady Kachuk full-on bite senators claimed it was two bites yeah so yeah so they were in a fight and they fell to the ground and they get up and brady kachuk goes he bit me and there's a big bite mark on his hand i actually have a statement from brady uh would you like to hear it i would like to hear it i think it's the most gutless thing anyone could ever do it's outrageous kids don't even do that anymore he's completely he's a complete brickhead he's got nothing up there so it turns out that even if you got a chrome dome, doesn't mean you've got a nice shiny brain to go with it, according to Brady Kajak. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. So yeah. Brendan Lemieux has been offered an in-person hearing, which is required for any suspension that could be at least six games. So it's most likely he's going to be uh, out for a little while. He would be suspended yes. until the hearing takes place, which means that if they drag their heels on the hearing and he misses a game, that one doesn't count. And if you're in the market for some uh, weird sports stuff too, since we're talking about it, you don't have to get strange bites for it at all. Team Canada and Team USA have unveiled their jerseys. Yes. Now, the Team Canada jerseys seems to be something that's your style. I think it's cool. I love the numbers. I love that they put them on the shoulder. I wish more teams would put the numbers up there. I love I love that layout. Uh, I love the minimal kind of piping that's around the arms and legs, the kind of futuristic camel bit. I The leaf looks a little strange. I will agree. I think that they probably could have made it look less like the backside of a turkey. It does look like the backside <laughs> of a turkey. <laughs> or a peacock, um, good. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like I think if you had, it would have been neat to see kind of a more old fashioned simple Canadian leaf with a very futuristic looking jersey. All in all, though, it it looks good. It's going to look amazing. The ice, leaf to the me should one. be green. I'm just going to say that. Looks more like a green, green. leaf. Yeah. Looks like a pot leaf. Um, it looks like a pot leaf to me. USA unveiled their jerseys, which is basically a blue band with USA across the chest. Yeah. Which I think looks fantastic. I, I, I don't. I like the old school ones. I know you thought they were a little corny. Uh, but like, I just like the simple one where it's, you know, blue and blue shoulders, red stripe. And then it just says USA diagonally and like on a white or blue, like the miracle Jersey. I think that's such a great Jersey. Uh, and this, I've got this waving flag on it and it's all corny. I don't like it. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not great. I, I, I think Finland has the best Jersey of the entire Olympics though. It is Sweden. Incredible. Sweden. I vote no, Sweden. Finland. Oh, you, no, vote, oh you vote, you vote. I don't think no, yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I vote for Sweden. <laughs> I thought you were saying like, that's by not the way, country. I'll correct your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the case. I... Thanks for listening to the shift podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify and curious cast.ca. 